Hi everybody and welcome to our first official episode of Tatties and Tofu. I'm your host Kumi McKenna and today we'll be covering the topic of love and dating for East and Southeast Asians in Scotland. One little side note I want to make about this um, episode is that it's very heterosexual centred. Um, but in the future I would really love to have more discussions about what it's like to be queer, East, Southeast Asian and Scottish. Today I'm joined by the lovely Letitia Lam. She is a marketing professional currently working for Scottish Ballet and she currently runs her own marketing business. She is born and bred Scottish Chinese and I'm going to pass it over to Letitia. I wanted to do like a wee cheer there when you said this was the first episode. <laughs> yeah, so I'll add it in in the little sound effects. <laughs> Love it. Um, hi everyone, nice to meet you. I'm Letitia Lam. I am born and bred Scottish Chinese, first generation. Um, I came from a financial services background but then ended up going into marketing. So now I am a comms officer at Scottish Ballet, which is how me and Kumi met. And then I also have my own business on the side um, that helps promote and market for professional service companies. So like accountants, uh, lawyers, that sort of thing. Um, But thank you so much for having me for your first episode. Yes, I'm so, so excited, even though it's quite a depressing topic. Where it's I'm, not depressing, it can be. Well, not too depressing, yeah. it can be in certain bits, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's nice to have somebody who's so cheery on for our official episode one. <laughs> Thank you. Can I just say, like, um, I, when I was in, was must have been high school, I once felt so passionate about dating that, <laughs> this sounds funny, but I did my essay on... Uh, how I was against arranged marriages because <laughs> I was like no, I everyone that. should have the right to choose who they want to be with <laughs> but now I'm kind of like oh but it's so hard to meet someone maybe arranged marriages are the good route to go down <laughs> yeah it's just the easy you know straight to the cut <laughs> exactly find me someone perfect please thanks <laughs> yes so today we're going to be talking about several different um, difficulties, differences, cultural differences um, that we face, especially between East Asian culture and Scottish culture. Um, so one of the first questions uh, I had was, what is it like finding dates when you're an East Asian woman in Scotland? Yeah, I think that's a great question because it varies so much, um, but also the times of well times have changed right so when so I'm in my 30s so when I was at school there was hardly any other Chinese people in my school in that area or in my class so it was maybe like a one other guy and then a few other people across the full school of like a couple of hundred at least and I think part of the issue was for me growing up was that I didn't really see many of uh, what do you call it, like figures in the media of or at school or even in the society around me where, you know, Chinese people or people of colour like me were dating like a white person. And that like mix was not that common back then, at least in my area. Right. And, it, you know, it's different everywhere. But I think because of that, it was almost like I didn't, I always assumed that, you know, white guys won't like me for example right which seems like hard to say but yeah I always assumed that oh they won't like me because I'm you know I'm Chinese and 
usually they only date white girls. You know, that sort of misconception that you, you lead to yourself to believe was quite a big thing. But then as I grew older, I realised actually, well, some of that stemmed from inner confidence and not really having a bit of an identity crisis. Um, and also just realising that actually it was just because I didn't really see many people and there was a lack of diversity in the in the environment that I grew up in. And it wasn't because of the way maybe I looked per se. It was just that I didn't put myself forward like that in a lot of situations. Um, but as I went to uni, I met so many more different people, like different uh, from different countries. And, you know, people were a lot more receptive to even just starting a conversation and getting to know you uh, as well. And that was a bit more reassuring because you slowly, you know, actually convinced yourself, well, you're actually, you know, there's nothing really holding you back as a person of colour when you're dating or looking for someone it's just how you present yourself just like with anyone really it's how you present yourself it's what you say it's you know it's kind of like what you're looking for and the situations that you kind of find yourself in so a lot of time I will coincidentally start a conversation with someone in Glasgow and it's great and people in Glasgow are obviously as you know Kimi are very friendly so <laughs> it's never an issue <laughs> um but I think as we've kind of as I've grown up and times have changed it's a lot more actually I don't want to say it's you know works in your favor but actually you know the way that where I'm from and my culture actually adds to who I am and therefore gives me the edge of me because I I'm not you know just you know born completely um as a one culture you know I've grew up with grown up two cultures and actually my biggest issue has been identifying which culture I I resonate with most yeah it's it's kind of like you have um like a different perspective from a lot of people Mm. like you're you're having two different cultures it also gives you a chance to understand cultural differences in a way that I think people who haven't had the chance to see different Mm. cultures might not have you know yeah 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 I mean we grew up in well I my parents' first takeaway was in Toe Cross in Glasgow. And I don't know if you know what to if you knew what Toe Cross was like back in the day, but I mean, we used to get our windows done in every single weekend. Um oh and we didn't see that as like a I guess like an attack of, you know, race or whatever, but it was just, you know, back then that was the area that they were in and and people were drunk and people would pelt their balls at our windows. Um and so you know, you just, I think as you grow up, it's whether, I think it's whether you just let those barriers kind of, you know, become a thing for you. Um, and my parents have always been very, very supportive in terms of not making a thing of that and letting us go out and explore on our own and do something completely different, not follow like the takeaway um career path <laughs> that they've taken because they had to do that they, they came here and my dad didn't speak any English um and my mum she was an air hostess that kind of was well traveled but um didn't didn't go to university but she made it you know they both made a living out of their your their skills and what they could at the time and I completely respect that and admire that um but they were very much like no don't do what we've done like go and you know go and get educated go and get a degree and get loads of experience and you know make loads of money basically (laughs) they were like and I was like okay great so you know a big part of my life was just 
trying to get to that stage, whatever that looked like for me. Yeah, so it sounds like you definitely had a journey of confidence 100%. over the, the years. Oh my God, 100%. I used to be an introvert. I used to be so quiet. Yeah, you're like one of the friendliest people I know. <laughs> no, but believe it or not, I used to be so quiet. I used to, my mom used to take me to parties and I used to cry and sit at the table and not speak to anyone because I did not know what to say and I didn't like crowds. And it was, I actually, there's pictures of me just sitting in a corner crying, like my head, like in my hands, like not wanting to speak to anyone. That's how bad it was. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> what I was going to say there is, I feel like you're the friend that you do take to the party where you might not know everybody because you know that you're going to be able to make conversation with everyone. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how much I've changed, but I think that is, it has been a journey. Like you said, like I probably started finding myself a bit more during uni because I met so many, like, it's just so many people from different locations and cultures and you know with diff- like speaking different languages and it was just great uni was fantastic but also most importantly to, to know I found more Chinese people Scottish yes. born Chinese people that mm-hmm. I could resonate with and as much as I didn't I don't think I I don't think that like made me I think that it was just what I needed to feel confident in a way that mm-hmm. that I wasn't one of a kind in a in a bad way if that makes sense yeah like I wasn't you know just a, a Chinese girl that was you know just in the south side that <laughs> had hardly any people that could relate to me I was it, it was just because of where I was but when I went to uni it was great I you know I was like oh my god these like where have these people been all my life you know yeah you feel like I, that I, growing up yeah, definitely. Like I, I was quite similar to you. I grew up, there was like maybe seven altogether people of colour. And I was quite lucky that there was two other girls in my year who were, um, their family was from Hong Kong. So going to high school, I was able to have some kind of communication. But what really resonated with me, what you were talking about was the, um, about lack of representation. Um, because it's so true. Like, I feel like when I was in high school, I was just like, just kind of in the mindset of well I'm never gonna have the beauty standard of white girls so I'm not even on the radar of being like in that realm of like being found attractive in any way and uh whenever I would see like interracial couples where it's like an Asian woman it was always like the joke you know I mean like mail order brides or it was like you know, this guy who was such a shitty guy that all all he could get, I'm doing air quotations here, guys, all he could get was like an Asian lady, you know? That's what I always saw on the TV. So I think it really, it makes you put in the mindset of, well, I'm just going to be seen as the joke. Totally, yeah. You know? Or the the kind of stereotypical super young Asian beautiful oh. girl with an older, older white male. <laughs> it's the worst, but I think... Um, that's the that was the problem back in the day like for for probably my generation specifically when we we're younger like media was representing Asians Asian females in dating situations as that and that's where a lot of that probably le- leaked into a lot of society and daily mentality right that's that's the only representation that maybe we had yeah and I can imagine it being just just as worse for Asian men you know who were like literally treated as the butt of the joke unattractive like 
just yeah I can't imagine how that's probably impacted on Asian men of like you're a mine generation because I feel like now with like k-pop coming out and then there being more Asian representation Asian men are finally being given the the respect they deserve outside of the Asian community um but yeah it's good to see things are changing but you know it totally makes sense why we felt that way in high school you know and with everything we saw yeah absolutely and I think um you also like I didn't because of that I think there was an element of um I don't know if this is the right term but like yellow fever was you know not a big thing for me growing up until I went to maybe uni I recognized that that was not a thing but you know it was something that was talked about or was mentioned um and it was a bit icky when I first (laughs) heard about it because I was like what I didn't I didn't know people had this (laughs) um but I don't know what the def- the the real definition or the proper way to define it is. Kimmy, you better you might be better. I mean, for <laughs> me, it's like if you are the person to say my type is Asian lady, or um, they have this preconceived idea that the whole of East and Southeast Asia has this one type of woman. To me, that's yellow fever. You know, like. If your your list of like past exes are Asian women only, that's very scary to me. <laughs> when you're not Asian, to add, yes, right? yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. I I think that's a yeah. I think it's a problem because it comes back to the way that media portrays Asian females, um, you know, and the way that you know fe- these they're either. I was watching what was it the first Monday in May um, the other day and they were talking about how historically even in movies and in TV series even in Hollywood like it was either Dragon Lady or it was you know super sweet um, Lotus mm -hmm. Lotus woman totally yeah Yeah, exactly so it was either like super mean like very independent or it was like sweet lovable uh, will do what you say kind of like sort of bad attitude but um, to have but yeah that was the kind of either or situation right and so yeah I think because of that people because of media if no one's fault but it could be because of media like mainly people had painted this image of Asian females that was obviously not necessarily correct um but then almost as a way of that I fantasized it uh and was yeah it, it wasn't you know it's not a pretty thing to talk about I don't think for you know anyone really um on either side but I think it's just it's become this thing that when you know as a person of Asian ethnicity that looks Asian but speaks very Scottish you know when you go out to meet someone in a bar or a club or a restaurant and you start speaking to them and instantly they're like oh where are you from and I'm like oh I'm I'm from here actually (laughs) I'm from Glasgow very much so um and like no 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 but where are you really from? And it's like the idea of like trying to keep digging to, to kind of verify that thought almost as well. And I think people can ask that in a very innocent way, but also, you know, some of it can be microaggression as well. Um, if you if you look out for it. But I think it's 
it's made it made me anyway specifically through the time I learned it to even now like sometimes I'm a bit skeptical I'm like do they are they are they interested in me because I they find me as an individual attractive or are they interested in me because I look Asian <laughs> which is a terrible thought to have but you just can't help think it sometimes because of you're aware of this like fever that is real sometimes in some in some people's world you know yeah I, I mean it's just it's a I think something that will always be on our radar as Asian women especially when you're single um because especially just with media now you know the rise of anime for example I feel like that's just even worsened our image in many senses because people see that and they're like okay they're Asian they're gonna act like that even though we're very much Scottish women as well you know um and I I don't know about you but like I have things to kind of suss out if I feel like they have yellow fever like for me if you're if like one of your main personality traits is anime like if that is one of the first things you want people to know about you right 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 that's like that is a red flag you know if that's one of your key traits exactly like I think most people or maybe not most but many people watch anime casually but if that is the first thing you want me to know (laughs) you know like yeah yeah, um (laughs) that's scary like have you ever had because you're um obviously half Japanese Kimi Mm -hmm. so do you ever find that when you tell people that instantly like they'll have like a kind of reaction um you know negative or there's like different ways though like Mm -hmm. I think if somebody's immediately like oh so you watch anime or oh you do you wear kimonos stuff like that that's scary but then if somebody maybe says something like oh so can are you can you speak two languages or things like that more kind of less stereotypy if that makes sense you know I think that is a bit more comforting I don't know about you like have you got any things that like somebody might say to you and you're like that's a bit suspicious yeah I think the biggest one for me is when they're like oh where are you from like I'm from here it's like where are your parents from like Hong Kong all right so China Uh, (laughs) where do I start I'm like "Mm, no (laughs) no but I mean yeah like where do you even start with that I mean so much political you know so so much political talk behind it that could could potentially become a problem but I think there's it's more you know when they're trying to dig into where like your like your origin origin of where you're from and like they're trying to almost like pin you down a certain location or from a certain mm-hmm. culture and I'm like well I actually grew up here and I very much speak Scottish <laughs> in a way and yeah I went to school here <laughs> and yeah that's it like that's all there is <laughs> you know and it's almost like they're trying to pin pinpoint you mm-hmm. like you know put you I mean? in a box uh-huh, yeah mm-hmm. they'll be like oh so your family's from Hong Kong so you must be this yes oh, uh-huh. I guess your parents are also going to be this and this and that like exactly exactly you can't really explain yourself because they've already kind of just put you in a box as soon as they found that information yeah totally Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah that's that's probably the biggest yeah the biggest um problem 
that mm-hmm. I sometimes face when I'm dating <laughs> or trying <Yeah>. to date. <laughs> we just need, we need a vaccine for it. If there's anybody out there with the vaccine for yellow fever, please um, write in and share to us. <laughs> Sorry, just to add, like there are some people that have no idea what it is, which is a good thing because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want it to become a thing. We were talking about it because we, we think it's a thing that shouldn't exist, <laughs> really. Because it's like us saying to someone from, I don't know, like if you had like a thing for like English guys, like, oh, you're from England. <laughs> oh, you must, you know. You must be really posh or, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. having the same conceptualization about someone that's from a certain place anywhere in the world. Oh. I'd love to hear somebody doing it for like Glaswegians specifically, like, oh, you're from Glasgow. So do you like drink iron brew all the time yeah. and have like square sausages for dinner? Oh, you must watch Britain's Got Talent at the weekends. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I would like to see somebody make a video of the roles reversed. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. <laughs> um, so my next question is, what worries do we carry in relationships? And we, so me and Letitia talked about this a bit before, and there's just so many things to carry within that um hmm. question. But I think one of the interesting parts that we talked about was definitely the family element and how different that structure is from how like I think dating works in Scotland Mm -hmm. and Scottish cultures Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um I as I said I'm the eldest of three and my brother and sister are slightly actually a lot younger than me so my sister's eight years younger and my brother's 11 years younger so like I've had to carry like almost the responsibility of my of looking after them quite a lot of my life and they might they might disagree but it's true <laughs> it's true <laughs> um but I think that because as an eldest an eldest child within a Chinese family it's kind of it's almost like this kind of known thing where usually like you take care of you know a lot of the responsibilities at home or you know your parents have higher expectations of you to do really well and be like a good role model for your siblings which isn't necessarily different maybe too drastically different to other cultures per se but I think that because of that expectation and that pressure when it comes to dating it translates it 100% translates and sometimes not in a positive way you know you can feel that pressure of you know I need to find someone that will not only look after me but will you know be mindful of my family and not take care of them like in every aspect but just be able to you know, and and almost because they'll be like my husband or my partner, there's a there's a direct correlation between that and welcoming them into the family and then being part of the unit and and that as a couple, you know, being a kind of core part of the family once that happens. And it's slightly different to maybe my my younger siblings because even though my my brother obviously who's like male um, and there's like connotations of like the male carrying on the family name and all that um, because I'm the oldest and by so much sometimes it's like oh you know we want to make sure that you are looked after and you're in good hands and like you don't have to worry about you know maybe per se like their fat like their family as much we want to just be able to like married off well um, so that's the like sometimes like from a parental point of view that's like the main worry but actually from a personal point of view we 
when I talk to my parents about relationships is almost like very they have a really like pragmatic approach to it it's it's like uh you know when you say oh I'm dating someone they go they, the common questions which you might also get Kimmy are <laughs> um oh where do they live uh what do they do um do they you know do they rent their property or do they have they bought it <laughs> have they got you know what kind of car do they drive or um you know what kind of back like where their family from in terms of like their background like where did they grow up that sort of thing um and I think that each of those questions can seem quite materialistic led and quite quite shallow as well and I admit that because I will always think oh my god like you can't judge someone by the car they drive or how much money they have or what how many properties they own right and we both know that and we like I think sometimes the questions come from a place of what they mean so you know is he a good investor is he good with money you know and Mm -hmm. if he is he might buy a property and then rent it out you know or does he have a you know was he brought up well was he well raised um you know sometimes perhaps like where they were brought up and and how they were brought up will tell you that and how many or what they found what their family do or how how they're you know maybe they might know their parents that sort of thing so I think questions try and dig in to a lot of these kind of deeper questions that parents have when they're looking for a partner for their child you know they want to make sure that the guy is or the the girl is um you know, is well raised and is able to look after themselves and mm-hmm. can do well in their life in terms of their career or, or you know, actually be able to look after someone else. I think that's why just even the thought of like, like a Romeo and Juliet situation is like impossible to imagine within East Asian culture. And it totally makes sense. Like, I think the parents just want to make sure that if anything happens, you're not going to be just like thrown out in the cold. You know, they know that you're not going to have, for example, this, the stress of, am I going to be able to have my next meal? Um, you know, is, is my husband or wife safe? You know, they, they don't want us to have that fear or burden. And I think it es- not escalates, but I think it is stronger almost that feeling because you know, our parents have immigrated from a different country. Well, mine have anyway. I know, like, mm-hmm. your mum married um, someone in Scotland, right? So, yeah. like, for my family, like, they moved their full life over from somewhere where all their family were to a country where, like, they didn't even, like, my dad didn't even speak the language. Um, and I think that, you know, because they've worked so hard at building up that life for themselves and for their family, that that's why they they don't want a repeat of you know the hardships which are hard to avoid for anyone but they they want to as much as they can avoid those hardships for their child and their children because they they don't want to see their child go through financial stress or you know like finding a place to live and you know having issues like looking for their next meal and having to worry about money constantly because that I mean Mm -hmm. money problems do you know for anyone money problems always lead to other issues right like Mm -hmm. in our life because when you don't have money everything's a problem you know I know that there's like sayings that you know you can't always be happy when you're rich but yeah okay fair that's 
totally true. But when you're poor, it's a lot harder <laughs> to yes, be, absolutely. When you're worrying about where your next meal's coming from or, or how you're going to feed your kids, mm-hmm. like happiness is not even, you know, it's not even a priority at that point, right? Because you're just trying to live. So I think that you know, from their pragmatic point of view, the worries that they kind of, I guess, try and well relay onto us as children can often be to do with stability and well-being in terms of financial well-being um and how I guess for the long term as well they're more concerned about the long term rather than the now you know love they always say love is love isn't everything love is and it's true right um and I agreed with one of my exes that love wasn't everything and it just didn't work out for that Mm -hmm. reason because it wasn't you know there were so many other things we had to consider um and that was one of them um you know being able to look after each other Mm-hmm. Um, and our in terms of health and and wealth like you know collectively like was that going to be a problem or not like were we going to have kids and then struggle you know because no one wants that yeah <laughs> so it's it's so felt. true like the outlook is just it's not all about love mm-hmm. it's like quite a level-headed right mindset around it like totally. um I, I mentioned this to Letitia earlier but for example with one of my exes um my grandma saw a picture of him and he was black and the first thing she said was like oh my god if you have children they're gonna get bullied because they're gonna have darker skin and then when she found out he was a doctor she was like oh so how is he today is he good like are you guys doing good so <laughs> their worries are like so alien to what I think some Scottish people would be mm. thinking about mm. which is I think even for, I don't know about you but for me it's quite hard to understand because we were just not raised with that mindset and mm. because um, we grew up in Scotland like so some of their worries are so alien and probably very alien to our partners mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I think we we probably you know we like when I look for a partner, it's very much like you're trying to tick your own boxes or look for the things that you want to look for. But also you on top of that, you've got, you know, a family element, which is unfair to them because, you know, no one should have to have to deal with that pressure and before you even know them. But it's just subconsciously in your mind, you are thinking, will they be, will they get on with my family? Will they be able to, you know, will they be open to, you know, being not close to my family but like closer like that in a way that maybe fits with my lifestyle with my family and the relationship I've got with them you know and that's different for everyone but you know you have these as an eldest child anyway like I probably put some of these pressures on myself but some of these are definitely put on from my parents um that maybe my siblings don't have the pressure of whereas they're maybe they're just thinking oh you know I just want to look for someone that I get on with and yeah, I can do the things that I like to do with. And I'm like, that's great for me too. But, you know, there's almost this unspoken, unspoken pressure <laughs> where, you know, as an eldest child, you are thinking about not just yourself, but your family as well, naturally. I think that kind of segues nicely onto the topic of marriage because, you know, I think if you're looking for a partner you want to get married to, that's when it becomes like the cultural differences really start to impact you um you know like just even as a straight couple but then if you even move into like lgbtq i can imagine even more issues coming out you know it's like 
there's such a just unique experience of marriage. So, for example, uh, I feel like in Scotland, couples and like when you get married in Scotland, it's like you're starting your own wee family. Even people say that like, oh, you're starting your own wee family. But I feel like in East Asian cultures, it's no, now you're joining this already here unit, you know, you're becoming part of the family. And that's a big pressure for people who don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're female mm-hmm. and marrying another, like, into someone's family. Because, I mean, that's a, it's quite a, I don't want to say a big thing, but it's it's something that's taken on quite seriously with East Asian cultures, you know, like the female joining someone else's family. And parents are almost parents will feel like that is a big thing for the parents too because the parents that are marrying off their daughter you know they acknowledge that they acknowledge the fact that they're giving their daughter away and they're joining a completely different family and therefore don't will not necessarily be part of their family as much anymore and that's a a huge thing because obviously there's family oriented to like values around it but even things that it comes out in in terms of like traditions so for Chinese New Year you know, the first day of main celebrations of, you know, the big celebrations, the female will always be with her husband's family. And that's just a given, you know, like, you know, for, for Lunar New Year, Chinese New Year, like that the, the, the female's um, parents will know that they'll be with their husband's family because that's the family that they are in now. And then they'll come home the second day to like join their own family. Like they're, you know, they're the real family. <laughs> I want to say real family, but like, you know, their original family. Um, and that's, I think that's, a, you know, like a huge thing because you're acknowledging the fact that someone is, you know, not part of it once they're married it, in the same respect anyway. So like as much as I'm very much involved with my family's life right now and my parents, and it might be slightly different because I'm I'm born and bred like Scottish Chinese rather than, you know, living in Hong Kong, for example. But I think that, having that difference there then it kind of bleeds into a lot of other things and when you're talking about you know the impact it has on say and what that means for us even though we're not we're living in a kind of a westernized society but growing up with maybe an east asian culture i think there's a lot behind it that tells you about how we how we welcome people into our families and how we see our children and how we want to respect our parents. So one of the main things would be, you know, for us in East Asian culture anyway, um, it's it's kind of frowned upon to put your parents into care homes. You know, when even when I talk to my parents about it, they're like, no, no, no I don't want to be put in a care home ever. You know, like I'll, I'd rather move across countries to live in your houses than to be put in a care home. It's kind of like a, you know, a sign of, your children not being able to look after you it's not something that they are proud of because obviously who you know who would be if we if you frame it that way right but obviously in our kind of westernized society in the, the kind of world we we kind of live in right now it's 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 really common to put your parents in your homes because you know if you if you have a life to 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 live and have two jobs to keep up or one job to keep up that's really stressful the last thing you need is to be able to, you know to to have that extra pressure of being able to make sure that your parents are in good care, you know, and actually the easy, well, not the easiest, but the best option for your parents is to put them into a care home. 
you know that they'll be looked after properly. Yeah, and they'll have the facilities to probably do what you might not be able to do. But then there's just that, I mean, just as you're saying, it's just a different mindset because, yeah, I feel like in Asia it's like, oh, you put them in a care home? Like, what a horrible daughter or son you are whereas it's not seen as oh they have good facilities there which is why you yeah. chose that you know yeah but it's more like a, a filial piety thing isn't it mm-hmm. um just like respecting your elders and being you know acknowledging the fact that your parents have given you so much yeah that actually when they get older and they need you you will return that favor almost I think there's an element of that behind it as well um yeah, but I think when it comes to marriage and even like before marriage, so like things like proposals, for example, let's talk about proposals. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I I didn't probably think about this properly maybe in the last, until the last couple of years because um, I just completely blocked out marriage from my thinking because I was like, I just need to find someone that I'm relatively happy with, right? But um, so... My parents were talking to me about this. So when the guy wants to propose in Western cultures, they usually ask for like the ha- the ma- father's hand in marriage, right? It's quite common. We see it in the movies all the time. Um, and then, and that's, you know, then they'll, they'll obviously do the proposal thing. Usually it's like a surprise, right? Which is lovely and romanticised, okay? Mm-hmm. Which is also, can I just say it's weird that it's romanticised? <laughs> I know, totally. You know, like, what is that about? But, yeah, it should yeah. not be. It's such a practical, <laughs> realistic thing that should be talked about between couples that it, it's not It's not a case of you just meet someone and you know that they're the one, right? That you know that they're going to be the one that you spend the rest of your life with. Oh my God, how many times does that ever happen in anyone's life? It's like you talk about it, you plan it, you realistically talk about financially, health-wise, and all the different elements of your life that you'll be sharing together, and you work it out as a couple, right? But but that's kind of, I guess, how we see it, like, from, from my parents' point of view, like, from a Chinese point of view. Like, they, my parents would expect me and my partner to talk about marriage and to talk about all the things that that we think we're going to do it on our lives long term and how things will look and then present that to them almost like a okay we're thinking about getting married here's how it's going to work <laughs> what are your thoughts <laughs> you know rather than you know spring it on like my partner springing it on my my dad for example and um, and I kind of yeah and a uh, yeah and a setting that's maybe not suited either so you know it's a total ritual thing you know like it's a sit down properly speak to the parents you know do it over a nice meal ask for their respect that sort of situation that's how the that's how my parents would expect it I'm not going to speak for Chinese people in general because it might be different but that's how my parents would envision it um, and I think that comes from a lot of you know tradition in some sense or another I don't know I mean how would, how would it work like what would your parents expect can we like I mean, my mum's just so chill that I think she just, she is one of those people who's just like, well, if you're happy, you're happy, you know, go for it. But I think like my grandparents would be quite concerned, you know, about who I'm marrying, how they went about it. But like in a way, I feel like the way your parents go about it makes sense because I just, I don't understand why you'd go to a dad and ask, can I marry your daughter? Like why 
aren't you talking to your partner about this and then maybe like talking to both parents about you know what I mean so um yeah I'd that's I don't think my my parents would really have this way set out but I do feel like your parents make sense for the way they're they're looking for um but that's really hard to explain when we live in a society where it's like romanticized to ask the father and then run over to you and get down on a knee and propose to you and be like your father said yes (laughs) now now can you say yes I presume that means you say yes too right yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes a hundred percent uh I think there's something there but it's weird to see the like having firsthand kind of experienced it it's it's such a shock to you know to see the difference um because you yeah I think even just little things like that before even getting married do matter um and I think some of that also comes from being able to understand the other person's culture to some extent and whether or not someone fully follows their culture is another question like you know you don't have to embody you know I'm not I wouldn't say I'm fully Chinese like I am Chinese but I wouldn't say that I'm culturally embody everything that you know a traditional Chinese person may right so it's it's how it's how you understand at which parts and like that impacts their life I guess is what I'm trying to say um because culture will eminently have an impact whether you like it or not or whether you think it does or not into your life when you grow up with you know speaking a different language at home and then go to school and speak English with all your pals and then come home and then your mum makes you like noodles and congee <laughs> for dinner and you're like all right this is great yeah this is yummy this is what everyone must be eating and then everyone's having sandwiches at lunch and then you're like oh I've got I've got this like weird fried rice or something you know like just little things like that you just you think oh you, you know this is normal but then is it really or should I be should I be ashamed that it's different I know I shouldn't be but when you're when you're a kid we when you're thinking about these things you're like oh actually this is pretty you know this is different and I know it's different so I think it's that having that same mentality when you're growing up and when you're looking for a partner and when you're discussing these things for a partner because you you know that I mean essentially the idea of marriage anyway is two completely different people from two completely different worlds conjoining right so of course there's going to be things that you don't agree with or or both agree on or similar similarities between your families like of course there's going to be differences right so I think that having just acknowledgement of that is really important and how each couple deals with it is very different but because cultural differences will hit everyone differently like it will the same way it does with me and you Kimi I think that it's having that open conversation about how can you how what what parts of your culture should I really be aware of if we're going to take this seriously because this will have an impact on our lives whether we like it or not and my parents will always be in my life until you know until the day that they won't right but until the day they they aren't there like they will still very much be involved in the way that I you know you know like live my life and see them like we'll go home for family dinners quite often that sort of thing so that will that will have an impact and you I think what I've learned from my previous relationships is that your partner your partner it doesn't need to agree with all of it or understand fully to what extent all of it means for you but at least be open-minded about what it means for your relationship and for your marriage life 
as well because that's obviously a big thing Mm -hmm. I feel like you definitely need to accept that um like if you're getting serious you definitely need to have that chat about the cultural differences and maybe certain nuances that like you just wouldn't realize and I think you also have to definitely keep in mind that like maybe you just can't handle it at the end you know you just have to have that in mind that maybe it is too big of a difference for you it's even little things and we haven't talked about the dowries yet but I feel like it's such a sensitive topic because anything is when it usually comes to money right we're just all so sensitive about talking about money in general Mm -hmm. but I didn't learn about this like from my parents until recently but growing up they would always be like oh you know they joke around it being like a thing you know if you get married then your your partner's family should you know gift us something usually of a quite a big value <laughs> like like oh like they joke around to say like oh gift is like a flat or a car <laughs> or you know and you're like what yeah. why what <laughs> like that's a big deal that's that's a huge gift right mm-hmm. but also can I just say um, I judge myself based on the gift you know like if you're getting me like a nice if you're if I'm worth a nice flat okay but if I'm worth like I don't know like a, a, a like really ancient breaking down car I would be offended you know? <laughs> yeah. so it's like determining the value of actually how much you are it's yeah. their thinking about it right so your parents like Asian like East Asian parents would be like um you know they should they should be giving us because we're offering our well-raised very respected daughter to your family who will also be you know joining your family and eventually down the line looking after your parents right or looking after the the parents of the husband or the partner um and so therefore almost like a gift is like you know thanks for doing all that you know we we totally we appreciate you giving us your well-raised daughter almost in a way I think that's traditionally how it's been framed right would you agree yeah I think so yeah. yeah whereas like with western society maybe western cultures it's kind of like from you know pre-historic days it's always been you know you want to get your ma- your daughter married you know off to a good family right but it's almost like I hate saying this but it's almost like they're doing you a favor yeah in a way they're taking the woman off your hands yeah yeah and it's like oh one less kind of body to feed that sort of thing and I, I may be completely wrong here but that's also probably problematic if if that's the way it's pre- portrayed in media as well like there are a lot of kind of more dated film yeah and, I'd like to think this isn't the way it is now no absolutely the past not. No, no, no 50 years and I think yeah it's just great I mean the whole idea of dowries itself is just to me I just don't what I just don't agree like paying someone for yeah for marrying them I just yeah. I think that concept as a, as on its own is it's just crazy like to, to think and just yeah it's so weird how indifferent how you know both cultures look at it from that perspective and I could just imagine you know like eventually when I get married like this conversation between like two like yeah. two sets of parents like so who's paying who <laughs> you know and I'm like can we just not can we just go half reserving something maybe but my parents would completely disagree with that right can I just say so mm-hmm. they'll probably mm-hmm. pull me out for some that. so guys start getting your bids in for the Letitia Lamb <laughs> we're ready to see what different offers 
yeah let's see the different offers you have <laughs> oh man um but yeah no I think that's a really sensitive topic usually um mm-hmm. that I wish Definitely. was a bit more widely talked about as well because I mean my my friends who were even like both of them are Chinese they were recently getting married and they were like I don't even know how this conversation usually goes you know like how it's do... quite an awkward one right ah uh-huh. just another negotiation we don't need in our lives but yeah. <laughs> I'm open to thoughts I'm open to thoughts I think we've made it through the questions I've got is there any points that we've maybe missed out that you'd like to no I think we've covered everything I would maybe end my grand my granny's bit of advice so my granny is in her 80s bless her she's so fit for her age she lives in Glasgow actually she recently um she's had a couple of like surgeries and stuff from like hip replacements and that but like she's gone through it like a trooper um she immigrated over to Scotland kind of around the same time as my parents it would have been um so she's stayed in this country for about 30 years now still doesn't speak a word of English bless her (laughs) she'll say sorry thank you and goodbye like those are the three things she'll say um but I recently went to my granny, not for advice, but like I was just more like sobbing about my breakup to my granny. Because, mm. um, you know, I, I was like, oh, you know, it just didn't work out. And she was like, I mean, at least now, you know, you don't have to, like in this time and age as a female, you don't have to like rely on the man um, for anything. You know, you can, you feed yourself, you work yourself, you do the things you love and you know, you can do all of that without someone there for you. So if it takes you until 60 to find someone, then so be it. And I'm like, oh my God, that's such good advice. But also what? <laughs> do I have to wait till 60? God forbid. God forbid. But I think she's so right though. It's such a different age, you know, and I, it's, we live in such an amazing time where, you know, as as Asian females even, like as females and Asian females, like we, you know, my granny had to, marry because she was she was so young when she married she was like 20 or maybe even if that and then she married took over you know the state that my grandpa had and everything and had four children and like her responsibility was to look after her children and raise them but then she also got a divorce so she got a divorce from my grandpa when she was like one of the kind of figures that the female figures that I had known to have divorced my divorce anyone you know like as uh, because divorce was not really a prevalent thing back then like it was kind of seen to be quite a shameful thing to have a divorce right and it may be quite similar in in Japan even you know like yeah I think even in Scotland that generation it was still like unheard of right it was such a kind of shameful thing and like a total last 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 resort um and then she bless her she she's done so well for herself like you know just like so much happier on her own right <laughs> and so when she says that I'm like okay that's fair you know I I 100% agree you know we don't need to like it doesn't need to be that the guy ticks all the boxes and all your parents boxes because the list is huge right as it is but actually it's finding someone that can understand like what you're going through from a culture perspective but also on a day-to-day you know perspective too in your life and everything and so I don't I don't think it's any different than it sh- than maybe any other cultures per se or any cultural um culturally different couples but I think that it's it's more just about being 
just very open open with what what your where your lines are really as well like I might not completely agree with all my parents values in their culture you know but actually like I will have my own things that I 100% think shouldn't be crossed you know like I want my partner to be like you know okay and open to like calling my mum dad auntie and uncle because it's respectful you know and that's just something that I will always try to you know instill um, yeah yeah I always try and have that with them but I yeah there'll be some things that I'll be like that's ridiculous and so it's understanding where your boundaries are with your own culture especially when you come from two like you'll probably know this better than me Kimmy because you're um you're half like I think it's just more like you 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 start to as you grow up you start drawing out the things that you think okay that's realistic or I agree with that or yeah okay that makes sense oh actually that does not make any sense at all so therefore I just gotta disregard that one in a way that, yeah. because it doesn't fit in with my life and I think it's unrealistic and it doesn't work for me so just like anything really isn't it yeah and I think that's such a good way of putting it is that you just want to find somebody who's going to understand you know and who's going to be open to the fact that you will have your own unique set of mm. boundaries and lines um but I love your gran. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. <laughs> she sounds, yeah. yeah, she sounds like an amazing person with, you know, if my next breakup, I'll come over to her oh, and, please. you know, you can translate, stand in the corner and translate for me. <laughs> it's okay, I'll teach you some Chinese. Yes, please. That. I think that'll be, that'll be our um, follow-up episode in the future. <laughs> Maybe season two of Tatties and Tofu, the breakup episode. We'll do, we'll do a bilingual session. You can teach me Japanese and I'll teach you Chinese. I love it. Relationship advice in both languages. <laughs> so I, I hope everybody found this inspirational, <laughs> educational, maybe. I don't know. This was like a strange episode because it was it wasn't really negative or positive. It was very, very just facts and experience based, which is what we're looking for. Um, but uh, yes, if you'd like to follow Letitia, you can find her on Instagram at Letitia Lamb underscore and on Twitter at Letitia underscore Lamb. And I'm on LinkedIn too. Yes, go follow her on LinkedIn and get all that marketing goodness. Um, yeah, thank you so much for uh, being here and just being a lovely guest and I feel like I learned so much as well that I, I wouldn't have learned otherwise. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Kimmy, for having me. It's wonderful. Everybody tune in to the next episode. Yes, tune in. Bye. Bye. <laughs>